this week's episode of Aussie Tech is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco. And keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. Startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by aghwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, aghwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 706 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 10th of December, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. If, you got if that... this is the 10th of December <laughs> and last week was the 12th. Uh, see, last week you just thought you were in America. That was the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reading the digits wrong mm. or something there, I don't know. I yeah. feel like a little fella. Oh, you've come down to my level. <laughs> the whole Thank you, sir. The whole pre-show, it was fine. And then all of a sudden he goes, hey. I can't get it. I have to sit right up close <laughs> then. This is how I normally sit. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. That was just weird. The whole pre-show was perfectly fine. Then all of a sudden it went, hey, you're going to just like. Oh, the yellow brick road. Hang on. Let me just. There we go. Hey. That's <laughs> um, stuff with you. Um, yeah, you know. Same old, same old. Same old. Just um, plodding along and. Any for... news on your insurance and house and stuff? Yeah, uh, they um they finally got all the all the quoting and stuff done, and we just ended up just taking the payout. It was just easier because, like, they're saying okay, it's you know with all the damage that happened, and then we just had another massive storm last weekend. There was more hail damage and more wind damage, plus there's fire damage now as well. They're looking a minimum two years before there's tradies. Oh, <laughs> so nothing's getting done for at least two years. So we just took the payout and I've already got half Your house of is still livable till then? Well, I mean, the stuff that needs to be done, like the windows, um, solar panels, all that sort of stuff, I can get them done. I've got contacts. I can get them done. Like, Well, I already have started to get them done this week. So I yeah. just needed them to get all everything organized so I could start getting all that sorted. Mm. Some stuff I do myself. Like I jumped up on the roof and replaced the skylight this afternoon. Yep. Yeah, so that's uh, good cheap labor. Yeah, um, that's one thing I'm good at. Even if you're sweating buckets, one thing I'm good at is cheap labor. <laughs> so you could have been cheaper, yeah. I'm actually better at being cheap than I am at being labor. 
Oh. <laughs> so. Better than being right. liberal. Lol. So, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, ha- it's sort of happening. But of course we've got a massive heat wave and none of our aircons are working at the moment because they all got damaged, so. And oh, good. Middle of January is the earliest I can get anybody to look at them. Uh, just when it starts to cool down. <laughs> What's the point so, of that then? So that'll be great for next year. <laughs> <laughs> so just try try not to have any more hailstorms between then, okay? Uh, well, yeah, there has been a couple other ones. Oh, not here. We haven't had any, but both sides of us. The people who missed the last big one have pretty much got one recently. It's been bad. It's just been ridiculous. Those so. insurance company people are rolling over in their graves. Yeah, well, about time they paid back some of the money we've been paying them. We're not what? supposed to pay back money. That's <laughs> not where our, what our jobs are. <laughs> we take the money. What's funny is, though, we've never had home insurance. No? No. We've had content insurance because we've always rented and, and we've never had home insurance. And even when we got this place, we didn't really understand how it worked and only just discovered we were way underinsured. Oh. And so our policy was like um policy started in like july i think it was a new yep. policy where we upped it and i bumped up the values and changed stuff and reappraised stuff and everything and then it was like middle of august oh you had some <laughs> inside info huh no might be a storm coming better yeah. get my stuff yeah, it was, revalued so it, was, it was like six weeks later I had a massive storm and just, <laughs> so yeah we've got our, we've got our money's worth out of that insurance <laughs> term <laughs> why do they hate you so and it's funny the only cars I've ever had written off are cars that have been insured <laughs> so, are you going to get new cars or nah not for now I will eventually I've got the ute back on the road now so for now that'll do until we sort of figure out what's happening and get organised we'll get through Christmas and get all <laughs> that car bitch out of the way <laughs> then worry about it you know so oh dear dear as for me I've been working on my Amiga Yes, if you've you. got um, a page you can bring up on your screen for jasonoakley.com with that blog. I do. And it's... It's got some photos and stuff on there. You know how the internet just stops working sometimes? Facebook did, just before we're about to start going to air. Suddenly Facebook says, you don't have internet. And I'm like, really? I'm listening to a streaming radio station right now. How can I not have internet? Mm, I think Facebook much. Messenger is dead. And who is that guy? Get off the screen. There we go. So that's the Amigas as I got them. One with a couple of missing keys. Both very dirty. Been in storage for like 30 years. Didn't even know if they were going to work or not. Then if you scroll down a bit, you have to click on the more read more button up the top. Hey. Go back up to the top story. It's got the picture of the Amigas. I thought I did. Then under there, read more, yeah. See, internet, not working. There we go. They both had um, 512K memory expansion, but one was the official Commodore Amiga one and the other was third party, and everyone said go for the official one because it makes things faster or better. Then I got the A502 RF modulator. Who's stolen the modulator? And that can now put it to TV, so now I can see it on my TV. What's funny is everybody else managed to do that in a dongle that was about an inch by an inch, but no, not Amiga. They had to use <laughs> half a house brick to decide how yeah, to do that. Yeah, it takes up all the table. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Then I'm like, well, I got to get games and stuff onto it. But what even is a floppy disk these days? So I got a GoTek compatible drive there. You can see that. Take out the floppy drive, throw it away, and then chuck this in instead. And you can plug your USB key in, and up to 999 disk images. You can see a couple little switches there that you go forward and backward through your images, and it shows the image number on the little LCD screen. So 999 images at 88k. So really, you only need like 80k. Hey, at 80k, 80K. Yeah. yeah. So you only need what, like a four gig card max? Not even. No. Probably. Yeah. On, no, <laughs> it would only be like. Wouldn't even be that. It'd only be like 600 meg or something. <laughs> Not too bad. You put all your games on there. Yep. And then uh, further down, I've got a monster joystick, which I'll um, pick up here. That's it fully assembled. So you can see a better image there. It's got the arcade quality buttons and arcade joystick from uh, Japan that they use in the official arcades over there. So it's very high quality. It's got a wooden case that you comes in parts and you assemble it, screw it all together and everything, and then it's got a cable that plugs into the Amiga, into the joystick port. Works very well. And uh, it's got a switch at the front. So in some games, um, you had to press up on the joystick to jump because your fire button was for shooting. So you had to go up to jump, but that can be annoying. So if you switch this across, the second button on here does the up motion which means you're jumping so you can jump with buttons instead of trying to push up which can be a bit tricky sometimes and you end up dying so that'd be good especially for like california games and stuff yeah yeah and even just little platformers like uh, bubble bobble but the only problem is i found out i tried it on um ghosts and goblins but yep. you need to push the joystick up to go up the ladders but also up jumps when you're not near a ladder so i get to a ladder and i'm like pushing up Oh, that's right. It's on the button. Yeah. No, this is not going to work. Switch the switch across. Okay, now I can go up. The sad thing, though, is the um, some of the Amiga games don't have the same music. They have completely different music to the Commodore 64. And I'm like, I've got the nostalgia, and I really love the tunes on Commodore 64. And it could be even by the same guy. Like Mark, I think Mark Cooksey did it on Commodore 64 and on the Amiga. But the Amiga's a completely different tune, and it's like, no, I want the spooky one that was on the Commodore 64. This is nothing like it. And then I played um, Tetris. No, the music doesn't even sound like any kind of Tetris song I've ever heard before. But uh, I put on International Karate Plus, and it was a, a better version with better instruments of the International Karate Plus tune done by Rob Hubbard on the original uh, Commodore 64. So that sounded really, really good, and I got right into it. And then if we scroll down a bit further, that's what it all looks like. Oh, there we go. That's the uh, mouse adapter. So you can plug a PS2 mouse into your Amiga, and it works just like an Amiga mouse. So now I can play Lemmings and stuff, which really need it, and strategy games. And then there's a table with all the stuff on there all plugged in. Mm. Looks weird. And it looks with a them. lot better than the dirty ones right at the top. It looks weird with a modern mouse plugged into it. It does, yeah, it's not right, but try and get it. Well, everyone's saying the tank mouse that came with it was really, really terrible. But you can't really get them now anyway. I, so. I love it. I thought they were great. 
Did you? I mean, they were ball mouse, so of course they last like three minutes before you need to clean the ball again. But yeah, this one, <laughs> this one that I got plugged in there is a ball mouse. I've also got another PS2 one that's a laser one, but it's a lot. I need to clean it up because it's a lot dirtier. But both of them work. Um, I actually, when I was thinking of getting a Mega, I went out and got a mouse first to try out on my friend's computer, and I got this really cool one. And then never got an Amiga, so I think I ended up giving him the mouse. Said, "Look, you might as well have this because I've never used it. It's still in the packaging and everything." And I was like, "Oh, will I get an Amiga 600 or a 2000?" Oh, mm, uh, I really like the form factor. The 600 looks schmexy as. I really, really wanted it, but then everybody went IBM, so I was like, "Oh, well, let's try this IBM stuff," and went on from there. So I never had an Amiga before this one before, but. I might yeah. be tempted to maybe even try making game, maybe port the Toxic Frenzy that I made for the Commodore 64 that's coming out at Christmas if you subscribe to Free64 magazine. The good old um, Amiga 500, I had one for a while. It was, I had, it's funny, I'd, like I had a Commodore 64 and an Amiga 500 at the same time. Yep. And I would often bounce between the two of them sometimes playing the same game yeah you know the, <laughs> just the, to see what it's like the games was were this exactly the same game were entirely different on the two machines which they're realistically both within the same time frame like they were within a you know within a couple of years but they sort of crossed you know, over and um yeah it was it was really strange and then i discovered that i could actually use it's funny on my commodore 64 i had a printer plotter so i could actually do four colors full graphics plotting with a forward and back plotter table. Nice. But the really good graphics design programs were on the Amiga because Amiga was really good at graphics. So yeah. I had this really low-res capability of designing the graphics on a printer that could do really high resolution that would only work on the Commodore or not on the Amiga, even though the Amiga <laughs> was much better at doing graphics. <laughs> it's like, ah. Uh. <laughs> John is saying he just got an Amiga 600, so now he's got three 500 pluses and a 600. Mine's not a plus, it's just the original. I found out um, they call it OCS, original chipset. So when you turn it on, the power light is red, which were the original ones that were in a, pr a production run. Then they changed the power light to green in the later versions, plus there's a little square Commodore C equals logo on there, which also means that it's a early version, but the newer ones had like a long rectangular Commodore logo with the oh, words spelled, right. spelled out and had the green. So but I do have the extra memory up to one meg of RAM because it came with 512 in the trapdoor. Um, don't know what games it makes work better, but apparently you can upgrade this to like a plus and even better with um, add-on things that you can buy, but it's be like an extra $200, $300. And I'm like, if most of the stuff runs on this one, I'll be happy. Yeah. I've already probably spent about four or $500 buying the GoTech for the, for the floppy drive and the mouse and the joystick and the A520 and the power supply because it didn't come with any power supplies. So I had to buy one of them on eBay which was untested, so I was lucky that it actually worked. There's only so many... I mean, yeah, there's not a huge amount of things that you can't do on the... the base, short of some special programs, of course, but most of the games, most of the... All that sort of stuff, it just... They work, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, everybody wanted to target the lowest setup, right? Yeah, so that it would work right. on. You don't want to make something and it only works on the Mega Four Thousand. You're like, well. Would have liked to play that game, but I got a five hundred, so I guess I'm not going to give you any of my money. I mean, they do now. They just yeah. They they aim everything at the highest common denominator now, but not back then. They actually thought about the people who purchased their products. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> they got OS four that runs on your PC. So <laughs> yeah. Or they would have released the product in two or three different variants for different for different things. Forms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. I think the the ones after this was called the Advanced Graphics Adapter AD, AGA. So any any of the games, the file names have got AGA on them. I don't bother with because it won't run on mine anyway. Yeah, but it's good enough. I mean, it's an Amiga five hundred. I never had it. I can play lots of games. Maybe program something. John John's going to have to start up tutorials now on uh, Amiga programming, aren't you, John? <laughs> don't tell him that. <laughs> He's already doing. Pi game games and Commodore 64 and even Vic 20 stuff that he did way back when he was like 14, 15 writing Vic 20 um, games and things. So he's been around for a while. He says he's just a young fellow though. <laughs> if you can believe that. Uh, so we got some people's going across the bottom of the screen, Mr. T. So what we have going on at the moment is. Um, we have a special, some special prizes for some special people. Um, so I'm special. We have obviously we got a Patreon and, and other platforms, and within those, when you have the option of um, being anonymous donor or public, uh, so the people who are public are the ones we we mention regularly. So in this case, we've got uh, Kate and Bouncing Yellow Skull and Daniel and Amanda. Uh, and David Bird, Chris, and um, they're from our uh, Patreon page. Um, and then we have um, uh, our Kofi, and we have PayPal options as well. Um, uh, and yeah, we'll be happy to take your money any way you want to give it to that's us. That's it, exactly. And within these, within these, uh, you know, within each of these, there's, there's, you can remain anonymous if you want. So we do have. Uh, some anonymous donors as well. Um, but having said that, what, what I'm trying to say is that if you are a paid member, uh, like um, Andrew G, for example, through PayPal, or through Kofi, or through Patreon, or any other way you want to give us money, uh, you will be going into the draw to win one of four twenty-five-dollar uh, gift cards. Spend them um, anyway. And um, I think we're going to. I think I've I think we've settled on the Coles Meyer ones just because they have the largest range of product stores and pretty yep. much everywhere you go you're going to be able to find something whether it's a servo or <laughs> whatever so Glenn will even um, take a A4 envelope with uh, unmarked non-sequential bills I'll take them if we they're marked and sequential I don't, from. I'll take them even if they're marked and sequential I don't care <laughs> <laughs> we, as long as it's money that's all um, legal tender we should specify legal tender can be crypto illegal tender I'm not fast Whatever. <laughs> as long as I can sell it on the black market. I pass a little bit of bribery? Know what I mean? Um, gold's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, you've got until next Thursday will be our, I believe, let me just double check. Uh, yes, show. next Thursday will be our last show for the year. So you have until then, and then you have until we wrap up the live stream, which is usually eh, around by 10.30 Thursday night. And what after, um, time zone, Mr. T? The only one that matters. 
normal yes, time. God zone. It'll <laughs> be is, like it's 11, 11 11.30 for us. <laughs> I can't help you with all your problems. And uh, I will do a I will do a randomized I've got a randomized program site thing I put all the names in it it'll draw you should out make one with the electronics and the triple five counter and you press the button and goes I could or I could just go to the website that does it for me <laughs> <laughs> so I'll I'll draw that after there and um, the winners will be uh, I'll get in contact with you to get your details to get your address and whatever to send you some some things so yeah yeah so there's that courtesy of Aussie Tech Heads so give us money damn it oh and by the way I should mention the gift cards are coming from um some donors some donators of various they didn't want to donate cash but they donated gift cards so they're coming from there they're doing a full circle and they're going back out to you guys yep so there you go we get into some noose not as well. We've only <laughs> shows half over. <laughs> We've been ringing out for twenty minutes so far. So yeah. Microsoft has been accused of downplaying the impact of a set of remotely exploitable vulnerabilities in its Teams communications app. Microsoft re- had vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities, <laughs> something new, which a researcher said could open up an organization's internal networks and leak information without user interaction. Security engineer Oscar Zvegaris discovered it was possible to bypass security measures in the AngularJS and ElectronJS JavaScript frameworks and inject code into team text messages. Some of the bugs Zvegaris found allowed remote code execution with no interaction required and could be silently executed by attackers entering channels as guest users. This Vigorous said could have allowed for companies' internal networks to be compromised and users' documents and messages on Office 365 to be intercepted. He also speculated that the vulnerabilities could have been wormable so that they could spread in Microsoft Teams networks if the recipients of the malicious messages automatically reposted them in their channels. Nothing worse than getting your vulnerables wormed. No, I always hate that. (laughs) By exploiting a cross-site scripting vulnerability on the teams.microsoft.com website, Vega has found it was possible to capture the single sign-on tokens for not just Teams, but also other Microsoft services such as Outlook, Skype, and Office 365. The five remote code execution bugs were reported to Microsoft in August this year and patched at the end of October. Vega has said the Microsoft did not assign common vulnerabilities and exposures CVE indexes to the bugs since it has a policy of not doing so with products that automatically update. So there can be bugs so, that vulnerabilities that need fixing, they're just not going to tell you about it. So they they basically essentially change a program by allowing it to automatically update, but they don't test the auto update just in case they change the program. <laughs> Isn't it fantastic? <laughs> Yay, Microsoft. <laughs> when number one. No oh. one's ever said that seriously, no, have they? I don't think you can. This is, this is <laughs> That's I a mean, big joke. It's the whole it's the whole, you know, auto install USB device thing all over again, isn't it? How do they not know cross site scripting vulnerabilities in this day and age? Oh dear. Anyone to think they're Microsoft. Oh wait. Yep. <laughs> I haven't learned anything after all these years. Speaking of vulnerabilities, Adobe. Oh, stupid pop-up. <laughs> Adobe pop-up, they used to happen a lot. Adobe to block Flash content from running on... That's worded badly. Adobe to block Flash content from running on... From running on... on. 
<laughs> January 12th, 2021, they're stopping it. <laughs> Adobe is released on Tuesday, the last update ever for its iconic Flash Player app, which the company plans to retire at the end of the year. Um, the last Flash Player update released yesterday, we updated our uninstall prompt language and functionality to encourage people to uninstall Flash Player before the end of life and to help make users aware of the beginning uh, that beginning January 12th, 2021, Adobe will block Flash content from running. It's a random date. The updates follow through with changes Adobe announced earlier this year. Um, it said it planned to show prompts to all Flash users by the end of the year and notifications it's reaching EOL. New update also brings actual date to Flash's demise in the form of January 12th, 21, after which any type of Flash content won't run inside the Flash app. Um, skipping the last Flash update won't remove the time bomb. Um, it's got a kill switch added months months and months ago and we're not telling you when <laughs> and if you're still running Flash or updating why are you running this thing this is a 1990s thing that everybody liked way back when well in 2017 it was EOL everyone's by... like let's make our websites all Flash and everyone's like that's fantastic no search engine can index that mm. so no one's going to go to your site but it's got flashy things that move and make noise. Web designers do not like flashy things that move and make noise. Web designers do. Web users don't. <laughs> I don't. I design websites. Yes, but you're so People used are to. like, can you do the flashy thing? I'm like, no, I will not do the flashy thing. This is not GeoCities. Go away. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm surprised, honestly, it's taken so long to ditch. Like... It was three, four years ago they said they were going to get rid of it, and it's yep. taken this long. I mean, what has possibly used Flash in the last 10 years, yep. <laughs> let alone Everything the last went with years. Silverlight, right? Remember yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah was... Microsoft's replacement for Flash called Silverlight. That was fantastic. Yeah, it's on everything, isn't it? it? Yeah, right. what? That, that was like the, uh, it was like the WYSIWYG editor they brought out to try and compete with uh, Netscape Navigator Gold. What was, that, what was that called? It was um, it was in the office suite, wasn't it? Yep, front page. Front page, that's it. <laughs> that's the one. You know what I liked? Arachnophilia. <laughs> it's still yes. being made. Yes, I did use that on several occasions. It's fantastic. I use Netscape. Just... I, I know they, they stopped developing Navigator Gold in, I want to say, like pre-2000. Yeah. But I remember using it right up as late as like 2000 and probably nearly, floppy. probably nearly 2010. It, 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 floppy. It's basic functionality worked. still yeah. does. I mean, you can design a web page in Notepad. You know, it, it's not, to design a basic web page, it's not that hard. Um, and to get a quick page up fast, Netscape Navigator Gold was perfect. Yeah. I should look into that, see whatever happened to it. <laughs> Because it was great. Um, probably still something going on there. Probably. I mean, extra gold's been rehashed, so... Oh, jeez. John says he codes in Silverlight and it's going to be made redundant in October 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing that, John? What is wrong with you? Uh, I can't help you with all your problems. Netscape Navigator Goal 2 was released in 96. <laughs> um... You can still download it, though. It's still available. Yeah. So. Is it compatible with 
Windows 10. I don't know. Be interesting to see if I'm not going to do it now because run it in compatibility mode. Probably no problems. Let's uh, install it now. It's just like nukes my entire system. <laughs> well, it was nice doing a podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs> so, but you can still on CNET. Still has it. Uh, California. Well, this is an archived article from January 29th, 1996. Indian Wells, California. Netscape Communications today announced that public beta version of its Navigator Gold 2 software is available from download. <laughs> it was nice. designed to allow people of all levels to create online documents and homepages, according to officials. The new version includes Netscape Navigator Rush tool chest, a collection of editable homepage templates, background color schemes and graphical images and Java applets and JavaScript scripts. Wow. Do we remember Mosaic? <laughs> JavaScript scripts. The Netscape page wizard follows users through the process of creating a homepage using HTML. We used Mosaic first. Oh dear. Before Netscape came out. I, didn't, I think it was I'm, based on Mosaic, wasn't it? I'm aware of Mosaic. I never actually used it as before about 95 was when I started getting into actual website design. I was I was somewhat aware. Like I'd managed some BBSs prior to that, but actual internet was about 95 before. I like I, when it came out because we were hanging out on um, IRC and everyone's like, let's get this Netscape Navigator. And they're like, people would come onto the IRC channel and they're like, okay, how do we get this Netscape Navigator? And you're like, okay, go to http colon slash slash www.netscape.com yeah well, how do i go to that well you need netscape navigator yeah wait what <laughs> so you're like okay you can ftp it from this public repository but <laughs> it's still funny people wouldn't know how to get there well you need netscape navigator to get netscape navigator they officially see support in 2008 wow it's still going a long time yeah <laughs> Some uh, diehards there, and then they all went to Firefox. Well, I mean, that's that was the whole. Except for the businesses that were had, they were the Safari, Microsoft Internet Explorer forced on them version <laughs> six for like five hundred years because it integrated everything, and nothing else would work with it. You mean Australian government? Yeah, yeah. yeah they still sat on the bottom of their websites. Internet version six or higher. And Explorer version 6 or higher, it's like, wow, really? Does that even, like, can you even get that? Yeah, I suppose you could go to File Hippo and get it, but still. Why would you want to? File Hippo. Why don't I pull File... Out of all the sites I could have chosen, where did File Hippo come from? File Hippo was great. Two Cows was <laughs> two my cows, favorite. Yeah, I used to use Two Cows all the time. So I went and it saw the great. guys when they were at the uh, computer exhibit in Sydney at... Uh, Darling Harbour International Conference Centre and they had two cows like, you guys rock, we love two cows. I just found it funny how two cows was sponsored by Gateway there at one point and Gateway's logo was the cows. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, every time I see Devondale out, it reminds me of two cows. <laughs> <laughs> or Gateway. Um, Online retailer Kogan has been penalised $350,000 after temporarily jacking up the prices of MacBooks and smartphones and then offering a 10% off coupon at the checkout. You ever see, you go to the shelves in the shopping centre, it's like, this is $19.99 discount. You lift it up, it's got, was $17.99. Yep. Now it's discounted to 19 Wait, what? 
The federal court found in July this year that Kogan had made false or misleading representations about the tax time sales promotion in breach of Australian consumer law. The promotion ran for four days in June 2018 and offered a code that customers could use to reduce the ball. prices by 10% at the checkout when Kogan had increased the prices of 621 products immediately before the promotion. In most cases, the price of these products had been increased by at least 10%, the ACCC said in a statement. Kogan then decreased those prices soon after the promotion ended, many back to the pre-promotion prices. HLC Chair Rod Sims said Kogan marketed the offer via email and SMS to a large list of customers. In many cases, consumers who used the promotional code to purchase these products paid the same as or more than they would have paid before or after the promotion. Sims said the decision and penalty sent a strong signal to businesses like Kogan, which regularly conducts online sales promotions, that they must not entice consumers to purchase products with the promise of discounts that are not genuine. The court ordered Kogan to pay ACCC's costs of the proceedings. There's a slippery slope there. The problem, and I, I'm, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I don't agree with what they're doing, but the reason they did it is because Apple will not discount their products. So yeah. you, you cannot, and you, you can't have a official Apple product sale. They determine the price that you must sell their products at. It's, hence, they're all the same, and they don't have a discount. So the only way you can do it, have a store-wide 10% sale, truly store-wide, or every item at 10%, is to increase the prices to do it. Yep. They're not the only ones to do it. Many, Just about any retail business has done it at some point. It's the only way you can do it. Like We've got products that we don't make 10% on. There's some products we sell that we only make 3 and 4% on. We can't have a store-wide 10% sale without increasing right. the price of those products because we'll be losing money on them. Yeah, And then you know. Will doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah, which is possibly... And he happen. wouldn't like that very much, would he? But this is the thing. like, It's not like they're the only ones who've ever done it. It's a very, very common practice in retail. Places like your Rugs A Million that was having their 95% off every second week, you know... Closing down sale every second week. Our closing down you know. sale last month went so well, we're closing down yeah. again this month. And that's exactly why, because they were selling it at 95% off, but the thing is they'd marked it up 105% to start with. Yeah. So they're still making 10% on everything they sell. That, and that's just I remember how they um, when, when I was doing voiceover training and this guy had said that he did um, practice at announcing at, uh, I think it was one of the supermarkets, so I won't guess which one. But um, they had these Dayglow purple gardening gloves for 99 cents and hadn't shifted them in weeks. So they had a red light special and put them on sale at $1.99 and sold out within 10 minutes. Mm. Double the price, but because it was called a red light special. Hello, Frank Walker Hello. from National Tiles. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. It's like the most recognised voice in Australia. Every time I ring <laughs> mum up at the nursing home, I like, Hello, Frank Walker from National Tiles. She's like, who the hell is this? <laughs> we did the same thing when I was working in the bottle shop. Um, we had a wine range called Snowy Creek. They're actually really nice, really, really nice wine. Like we actually quite enjoyed them. They cost us three dollars a bottle. Um, we s tried selling them at nine ninety nine. We could not move them. We, like we liked them that much. We bought like ninety percent of the stock that this this vineyard actually had because that's that how really much we good. liked them. 
There's reds, whites, all sorts of stuff. And yeah, we're marking them up to ten bucks from three bucks plus GST. So they cost us three thirty plus freight. So probably let's say they cost us five bucks. We'll sell them for ten. Couldn't move them. Put forty five dollars a bottle. Forty five dollars a bottle on them. Value. And at forty five dollars a bottle, we sold out the entire stock in three months. Perceived value is a big thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, fine. So yes. So that, hey, that the other thing with the wine, check the check the medallion medals that they got on there. Here's three gold, silver medals, and they'll say, "We won a uh, contest four years ago. We came first in." in a different wine in a different range, but they'll still put that sticker yeah. on a completely different wine. That's right. Or two years ago, we won wine of the year contest. They haven't in the last two years. Nothing's or, changed. Or, Somebody else won it. But the little stickers they put on there, the medals, and you're like, oh, this one's got like six medals. It must be all. No, it's not. Or a lot of them you'll find too. They'll do our 1996 merlot won seven awards but this is now 2020 and you haven't won anything in 14 years but you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah you how they get yeah it's a bit it's a bit ordinary but yeah it's, it's one of those things you know and perceive as you said like in a lot of industries the price of the product has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the product nothing at all but people will pay for but it but people like paying and the battery industry is rife with this. It's a massive thing in the battery industry. People pay stupid amounts of money for crappy products because it's worth stupid amounts of money. <laughs> it happens so much. Yep. And there's so many brands out there that charge a fortune because they're a brand name and they spent a lot in advertising to recoup that money. They yep. charge a lot for their product. They're not... And in most cases, they're actually worse and inferior to cheaper products. It's not even that they're the same level as a cheaper product they're usually worse than a cheaper product you know yeah. and you just go and look at it and go the, the the industry's got itself that tied up you know that it can't come back from this no, inferior, inferior products now are always going to be more expensive than better quality products because the better quality products don't spend their money on advertising so they don't need to recruit the money so they don't need to cost as much and you can't charge more for a better product because they haven't spent the money on advertising and people haven't heard of it. So even though it's a better product, it's got to be worth less than a cheaper product that's worth more. Yep. Same in the food industry, <laughs> in the supermarkets. You've got like three different prices, completely different. It's the same product. It's like, you know, peaches in a can. There's not yeah. that much you can do that's different to peaches in a can. But this one's got a pretty label on it and yeah. it costs like $5. That one's $2. I won't get that. And you're like, it's, it's got the same ingredient. I was and they come with talking production to a line guy the time. Who, who went to a um, bread making company, right? Manufacturing. So they go and it's currently putting out bread made for the supermarket brands, the generic yep. supermarket brand, black and white coloring, no, nothing else. They make all of those for one day. At the end of the day, they swap over the labels on the machine and now it's doing pretty colored labels with the same ingredients mm -hmm. at a higher price just because it's got a different brand. It's the exact same bread, same wheat, same water, same everything contents. Yep. But it's got a pretty label so people are like, well, I'll pay $4 for my loaf of bread. Yep. It's actually um, Norco is a classic example of that. Norco is 
um, you know, predominantly northern New South Wales and southern Queensland. Yep. It's a, it's a, um, a co-op basically. Uh, northern, yeah, Norco's northern co-op, but or northern rivers co-op. They've got a dairy plant, predominantly ice cream, but does milk and cream and stuff as well in in Lismore. And exactly what you're saying, they'll you'll see a whole heap of white containers go through, and they're all the Franklin's brand. And then you'll see a heap of yellow containers go through, and they're all um, black and gold. And then you'll see a heap of cream containers go through, and they're all like um pixie and then you see a heap more you know and the the ice cream coming out of the things is exactly the same it's just yeah. changing these containers as they're going through the ice cream machine yeah. you know and you, you, the range from a four liter tub in the seven or eight brands that come off our production line range from four dollars for four liters to 22 dollars for four liters yeah. and it's literally exactly the same product <laughs> Got a prettier container though. Not even half. Imagine the time. You, you can store all your scones in there, and when your friends come over, they can see you pay expensive ice cream for a scones container. Yeah, oh, it's <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous sometimes some of the stuff. But the funny thing is, working in retail basically most of my life since I was like seven, I've worked on and off in retail. So to me, this is common knowledge. Like it's not unusual that this is a thing that happens. But the people who have never worked in retail and specifically have never worked in a specific industry in retail or have had anything to do with wholesale <laughs> are completely unaware that this is the thing that happens. <laughs> do you know how, how much complex analysis stores do, like even Kmart, Coles, Woolworths on product placement? Mm. Oh, yeah. How, well, mu- how much do you pay to store, have your goods displayed at the end of aisles yep and i go through they put the higher price of things at eye level so you'll see them the lower price stuff is down but then if you're old and you have to bend down or you can't see there or it hurts when you're moving you're just like well this one is really easy to get so i'll get that so they charge premium price for that rack and the next rack down is probably like two-thirds of the price and the one above it's two-thirds of the price but the one at eye level for most of the people premium location at the checkouts where all your lollies and chocolates are yep. premium locations and there's so much analysis they have um, devices in there that track the bluetooth on your phone through major right. shopping centers like yeah. westfield and that to find out what shops you go to when where you stop how long you stop there and what your favorite ones are so they can move shops around and get them to where people want to go. And same with even just putting things in the store. Most people want to get bread, milk, right? So they go at the back of the store. Yeah, but not at the back. They're back at opposite ends. So you have to walk the entire length of the store. So you go all the way down. This is my theory about, I don't know if your Coles did this, but not long after the COVID panic stuff and everything shut down, they completely reorganized everything in Coles. All the aisles, completely different. Yep. All mixed up. Why is that? Marketing. Yep. People can't go into Coles for a very long time. So what they'll do, I know that the milk's in this aisle, the bread's in this aisle, the biscuits in this aisle, coffee's in that aisle. So you just go in, quickly buy things and get out while you can. Now if we jumble it up, people don't know where their stuff is. You're yep. going to spend one and a half to two times the amount of time in there 
walking past other things. Oh, what's this? I didn't know they had that. Oh, this looks good. We'll chuck that in there while I'm here. Suddenly, they've doubled their profits yep. because the place is mixed up and people don't know where they're going anymore. Yeah, they actually have a, a position in Woolworths. I don't know if other places have it. I know Woolworths and their subsidiaries do because I used to be one. It's called a layout manager. And it's specifically this your whole job. job. Yep, it was my, it was my job to literally continually adjust the layout of the store so the store could perform at peak performance. Even right down to start st- when when you move an obstruction from the 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 area where you walk in, take that front obstruction away so people have got free choice in where they're going to go. We studied for two weeks traffic flow walking through the entrance turnstiles. 90... Most people will go in, turn right, yep. go around the store that way, and then back out. Yeah, 90% of people turned right when they walked through turnstiles, even though the turnstiles were in the middle of the store, and they had yep. free choice, there's nothing obstructing them. 90% of people turned right. So what did we do? We moved the turnstiles right down to the far left-hand corner of the store, forcing them out of their comfort zone to walk straight ahead because by turning right, you're missing everything in the store. It's my local IGA. <laughs> Come in the front doors, walk all the way to the end. Yep. And I'm like, I want to get something in this aisle yep. near the front door. <laughs> Go in there, walk back up to the other end of the shop grab my one thing, come all the way back down to the checkouts. And they've discovered that making people as uncomfortable as possible while shopping, it does two things. It makes them impulse buy a lot more because they just get in to get out. And it makes the premium slots worth more. So you'll pay, like in dairy cabinet, for example, you'll always see like ice, ice break has the predominant thing. Uh, and then you'll see like Big M and then you'll see like there's other brands tucked away up the top and bottom. And that's because they actually pay the supermarket to have that fascia space because that fascia space is... double the price. Yeah, it's worth worth money. So per stock line, they are paying more to have their items there. Um, I threw that out the window when I was working, when I was managing the the bottle shop. I went in and I faced up the store the way I wanted it faced up and laid out. And these people who are paying premium prices bitched at me that they're no longer getting the premium spot. So I took their products, I chucked them in the dumpster and said, I'm not selling your products anymore. And a they me, completely flipped. They freaked out. They didn't know what to do. They filed complaints. They tried to do all sorts of stuff. Eventually, they came and apologized and said, it's your store. You can lay it how you want. Would you just like to sell our products again? And I yep. said, yes, but now you're starting on the bottom shelf and you need to earn your respect for you to come back up. Yep. <laughs> and after 12 months, I had all my all my um, suppliers trained so they'd behave themselves and they weren't fighting yep. over spots anymore. And they, Because what was happening was one was one rep had come in and he'd put his stock there. And the next rep had come in and he didn't like his stock there, so he'd move his stock down there. So doing it this way, I trained all my reps. You touch something, your stuff goes down the bottom. Do yep. it again, your stuff goes in the bin. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> and end of twelve months, had all my reps trained, had no more problems, and we actually used to sit down. Half a dozen of reps would get together, we'd sit down, and have a coffee, and have a chat, and you know, be sociable. It's not like this in other stores. What's going yeah. on? It was great. It was the best thing. Our store profits went up. Our store sales yeah. went up. Our turnover went up. The amount of customers we retained in the store for a longer period of time went up. So it always looked like those people in there for a longer period of time, which was great because when you walk into a store that's got people in it, it feels better than walking into an empty store. You know, 
so much psychology to it. Oh, it's it's it really it's ridiculous to be honest. <laughs> so, but um, and that's got nothing to do with this with what we're talking about. But anyway, <laughs> now we're finished with advertising one hundred and one. Back to Mister T. Oh dear. Um, speaking of um advertising. Uh, if you haven't already, you need to jump on YouTube and you need to watch. It's called Reunited Apart. It has Josh Gad, who is the voice of Olaf in Frozen. He's done a lot of other stuff as well, but that's mostly what he's known for. Um, he's got these fantastic series. Um, yeah, they're called well, Reunited Apart. It basically took um, movies. So, Ghostbusters, for example, they got all the cast together. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, they got all the cast together. Back to the Future, got all the cast together. There's interviewing them all on Zoom in real time, all together. You know, it's fantastic. The last one is just done. They've just started season two, episode one. Wayne's World. Got all the cast nice. back together for Wayne's World. So, no way! It's a lot of fun. It's good, good fun. Um, I'm supposed to say way. You know. <laughs> so, oh, Melvin, you, son. Mel- I was going to say, <laughs> Um, sorry, I was too busy thinking about what I was actually supposed to say. Um, but yeah, the so I, I, if you want something to watch and you've got a bit of downtime, they're only about half hour long. Some are a little longer. They do Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, there's quite a few things there that are definitely worth watching. Um, ah, shush. Stupid autoplay. <laughs> so, but yeah, the great value, a whole lot of fun. Like, the. Oh, will you stop? Stupid YouTube, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you know you can tell like some of these some of these cast are enjoying it as much some of them haven't seen each other in 20 30 years you know yep, um yep. yeah it's back to the future there's splash um lord of the rings ghostbusters ferris bueller's day off wayne's well and there's a few others in there as well so the goonies the goonies yeah that was that was interesting it's funny actually the goonies um I think it was the Goonies, Ferris Bueller, and another, and Lord of the Rings. I think had one guy who was in all three of them. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, and so he's in all three of them. And he just like he, it's almost like they film them back to back because he's sitting in the same spot. I don't know if he did it. No one him. He probably did it deliberately. Sitting yeah. in the same spot, wearing the same clothes, and the same. <laughs> it looked like he'd been there for like a week. He so, probably had. He probably had. Yeah, he's probably just waiting for the callback. <laughs> It's the that- same when I was watching the um, behind the scenes of uh, Stranger Things. Oh, they yeah. had the, the, got the cast talking about the episodes and who did what and who said what and stuff like that and what it was like. How was it like when you had to do this thing and they're all sitting around the table and the guy presenting it looks like he's just wearing the same clothes and they filmed the whole lot in a couple of days or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely good fun if you if you like those those retro sort of cult I guess apart from all about apart from Lord of the Rings they're pretty much all cult classics really so they're they're definitely worth um I don't think Lord of the Rings it's a great movie but I don't think it'll ever be a cult classic in the same in that regard maybe but not the show yeah Yeah. um but anyway Rocky Horror (laughs) Rocky Horror the movie that was never supposed to happen yeah Yeah. that one is cult classic oh Back to the Future Rocky Horror Wayne's World um you know, even um, Crocodile Dundee, they're all cult classics, you know. Watch that the other night, actually. Watch both of those. <laughs> I haven't seen them in New years. one? No, the old ones. Uh, I haven't watched that new one yet. So I don't think it's dude, yet. Dude, 
I watched it like three weeks ago. The uh, the one with um, well the the one that's just coming the amazing out. Amazing, Mister Dundee. Yeah, yeah, yep. I haven't watched that yet. It's on my to do list. I got some time off over Christmas, so there's half a dozen movies I want to catch up with. I'm okay. hoping that uh, that upload will be on. We'll start back by then too, so I want to watch oh, it. Good. <laughs> Make sure your TV is set to stereo. <laughs> mine, mine, mine never leaves stereo. I don't bother with mono. <laughs> I don't know why mine was mono. Oh dear. Um, so SpaceX has had an incredibly successful test launch. Ish. Um, well, no, their launch was fine. It went really well. The Starship, uh, SpaceX Starship prototype um, deployed, it was a 16-story tall prototype for heavy lift launch. Uh, it's developed by billionaire entrepreneur Elon Musk, private space company to carry humans and 100-ton payloads to future missions to Moon and Mars, self-guided rocket, um, reached an altitude of 41,000 feet, propelled by three SpaceX newly developed Raptor engines for the first time. Um. So and then it kind of went pear shaped a little bit after that. Um, I'll quickly I'll just play the video because I can. Uh, maybe I can't. Hang on. There we go. Stick it up in the bottom top corner about that pink. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. So you can see they thrust down and then they fire the uh, they fire the main thrusters here. But uh, it, it did everything it was supposed to do. It, it self-righted. It flipped around the right way. But you can see the thrusters really struggling to slow it down enough and it explodes on impact. Um, basically what happened was the um, they didn't have enough head pressure in the fuel. So effectively it couldn't produce enough flame or thrust. Therefore it had come down. Um, Elon Musk basically said... Um, the header tank pressure was too low during landing burn, causing it the velocity to be too high. Uh, but we got all the data we need. Congrats, SpaceX team, and let's do it again. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so basically, the um, was it, the read somewhere here it was 135 million dollars. So they're just going to build another one and try again. Yeah, so, why not? They put enough fuel in it this time to do the trip. <laughs> but, but, but basically ran out of fuel is effectively what happened they went around the block and couldn't make it back to the driveway yeah, need a push <laughs> can someone get out and give us a push just bring the jerry can <laughs> just spread jerry can in there but yeah if anyone so. can jerry can uh, um, I might <laughs> but uh, yes it's ostentatious ostentatious Australiana yeah that's it um so yeah well going along with that one in a high stakes mission that could take five years to complete nasa wants to land astronauts on mars in the 2030s transporting enough oxygen fuel on a spacecraft to sustain the mission for anywhere near that length of time however isn't currently viable the way nasa plans to address this problem is by deploying moxie or the mars oxygen in situ resource utilization equipment this system is in testing phase on the Mars Perseverance, Perseverance rover, which launched in July. The apparatus will convert carbon dioxide that makes up 96% of the gas in the red planet's atmosphere into oxygen. On Mars, oxygen is only 0.13% of the atmosphere compared to 21% of the Earth's atmosphere. The MOXIE system essentially produces oxygen like a tree. 
pulling in the Martian air with a pump and using an electrochemical process to separate two oxygen atoms from each molecule of carbon dioxide or CO2. The experimental technique proposed by VJ Romani and his colleagues use a completely different resource, salty water lakes in beneath the Martian surface. The presence of the brine is fortuitous because it lowers freezing point of the water. You can take the salty brackish water and electrolyze that. Our process takes the water and splits it into hydrogen and oxygen. The method proposed in the new paper, however, assumes that these brines are readily available on Mars, uh, said NASA's uh, principal investigator, Michael Hecht, for MOXIE and the Associate Director for Research Management in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's Haystack Observatory. Hmm, now, we saw recently that wasn't it one of the um, Indian scientists, uh, guys had said that aliens exist 100% now, so we might meet them up on Mars and they've talked to uh, Donald Trump and everyone. I, I can almost guarantee aliens exist. What I can't guarantee is whether they're dumb enough to come anywhere near us. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably why we don't see them very often. Are you crazy? <laughs> I would go near that planet that's been blacklisted. It's, it's full of it's morons. It's a galactic waste planet. <laughs> the hundreds of decades behind us in technology. You know how you got that circular filing system in the office? <laughs> that's what the Earth is. Um, so basically the MOXIE is a reverse fuel cell. That's interesting. I'm just reading about it. Yeah, it converts CO2 into oxygen and carbon monoxide via solid oxide electrolysis. Yeah, that's really interesting because, yeah, I don't going to be curious and read a bit more of that the salt water one is is uh very clever because yeah salt water turns into hydrogen very very quickly um so you can get you can get a unstable fuel very quickly out of that and it doesn't take much energy to do it the only concern i could see with this moxie one is if it's using a fuel cell style it would require energy to make energy which can be a lossless transit um a very lossy transition so the salt water one but i mean they've got solar would generate enough to do it yeah i'll have to read more of that i hadn't heard of it that sounds interesting. interesting yeah interesting. speaking of things that are interesting me budweiser look, nasa look i had the shirt on all the time <laughs> australian space exploration agency was it no, australian australian space australian research and space agency that's it yeah <laughs> that's right. um now, I'll do the uh, Facebook one first. Uh, U.S. federal and state regulators file, because <laughs> they've got a lot to talk about. U.S. federal and state regulators file antitrust lawsuits calling for Facebook to be broken up. <laughs> Facebook has been sued by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission and a bipartisan coalition of over 40 attorney generals, although it does say 48 further down. <laughs> I guess that's over 40. Um... By for allegedly stifling competition by buying up or cutting out competitors, would they do that? Like eBay, yep. <laughs> eBay's never done that. Skype's never done that. Nope. Yeah, two lawsuits filed by the FTC, uh, both accuse Facebook of buying up companies, namely Instagram for a billion, WhatsApp for nineteen billion. Yeah, just those two <laughs> to limit any competition <laughs> that the potential to erode the companies. Now, I don't know. This just goes on and says that, according to the Coalition's legal compartment, Facebook allegedly pursues an open-first, closed-later approach where its platform is to open third-party services unless they pose comp competition. But they're a private company. They, they, this is what people forget about Facebook. 
because it's on a public forum. You know, Facebook's on um, wow. Facebook's on a public forum. It's on the internet, so people forget that Facebook's a private company, and effectively, their their only restriction at the moment. This is all going to change if these private, like the American government and the Australian government, do this thing. They get together. They're going to change all this. But at the moment, they're effectively only bound by normal American trade rules. So there's things you can and can't do, you know, but anything outside of that you you can do. So when you use the service, you're using it because you've agreed to use it. You've agreed to their terms and conditions. So if you don't like what they're doing, you just don't use their service. You know, whether or not you agree with what they're doing is irrelevant. Like I had this argument with somebody saying that they shouldn't be, you know, one-sided with their elections and what they're showing and promoting and what they're culling and what they're saying is false information. So, no, they shouldn't be. You're right. But I'm not going to stand here and they say can't. they can't. I agree with you that they shouldn't do it, but I also agree that they should be allowed to do it. It's the whole the whole point of having freedom of information, freedom of speech, freedom of technology, freedom of your own business. Like, it's somebody wants to burn the Australian flag. I'm not going to necessarily agree with them doing it, but I agree that they have the right to do it. You know, like, the, the, this is the problem with what's happening today. Everybody's a snowflake, and you can't do it because I don't like it. Well, that's irrelevant. I can do it regardless of whether or not you like it. That has nothing to do with it. I don't care how you feel. That's got nothing to do with it. I can do it, and whilst you may not like it, that doesn't mean I can't do it. <laughs> this is hurt my feelings. Yeah, exactly. And this is the problem with what's going on. And it's the same with this. They've bought out a couple of companies who, let's face it, Instagram was struggling like mad before Facebook bought them out anyway. Um, they probably, you know, they, they wouldn't be what yeah. they are today without Facebook, you know. And WhatsApp is probably exactly the same, honestly. Um, Still WeChat and TikTok. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're not the only ones, you know. There are other alternatives. That's like saying you know, Google's got the monopoly on YouTube. Well, it does, but there are other platforms that work perfectly fine. It's not Google's fault that they market YouTube so better well. than the other companies. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. So, but basically, yeah, that's what they're complaining about, that they're going to say, hey, you have to, you, you can't. They monopolize all of the search too. DuckDuckGo and Bing and all of the others don't exist, right? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Well, this is what I was saying the other day, like, uh, Alexia, um, uh, what's the name, the iPhone thing, and... Um, Siri. Yeah, Siri, Alexia, and... Google Assistant. No, Google... And Cortana. Yeah, Cortana. Those three use Bing, but Google Assistant and Bixby, I think it is, use Google. Yep, yep. You know, like... <laughs> so, it's not even, like, an open source... Well, uh, I guess closed source, but a third-party product still has a choice of what search engine they're using. It's not like Microsoft says, hey, you have to install the Explorer and use... Oh, wait. Um... <laughs> you know so and Google paid Apple and them billions of dollars to be the default search engine on their phones 
Yeah, that's right. They, they didn't didn't just happen. They weren't just handed it. I mean, okay, admittedly, they were kind of handed default mapping software. <laughs> what are you talking to Google? <laughs> he said you can't play that song right now. <laughs> what handed billions of dollars? <laughs> yes. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's. But they like. But see, that's where it paid off because Google did have a better product. Apple had its mapping software, but ultimately they ended up going back to using Google because it worked. Yeah, you know. I and, mean, you can change your search engine on your phone yeah, to you Yahoo, can. Bing, DuckDuckGo, whatever. Whatever. You like. Yeah. Web Wombat, maybe not. Is that even still around? <laughs> Dogpile. Dogpile. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Alta, Alta Vista. Alta Vista. <laughs> Hotbot. Hotbot. Uh, I've used all these at various points too. <laughs> John's going to remember some of these one of these days. <laughs> oh, dear. The Google to... blog post. Hey. Hey. You were going to say something? I was going to say, I actually used to use Alta Vista a lot. That was my probably. Yeah. Probably my f- uh, web wombat was my go-to for Australian stuff, and Alta Vista was my go-to for everything else. Even once Google came out, it took me. I was probably what was that in two thousand roughly. Uh, so I was probably two thousand and five, two thousand six before I really started to actually use Google. <laughs> Wasn't there like Aussie Search or something too? At some stage Oz Search, I think. Yeah. Well, the the main one at that point was either WebWombat or Yahoo.com.au. Yep. They were the two primary Australian search engines. Remember how you used to have to submit your website details to everything or you could join this um, uh, website where it A would bot automatically submit you to 50 different search engines at once and all that kind of crap? Oh, Dogpile's still around. Cool. One of my favorite things about Dogpile... It says fetch. You'd put your search in and you'd go fetch. Go fetch. I wonder if he still does it. He used to go, he used to fetch the ball. Does he still do it? It's probably um, based on Google search technology now. No, oh, he doesn't do it anymore. He used to actually fetch the ball. Damn. Then, then he had to ask Jeeves. Ah, so it's, okay, it's ask.com now. I didn't put yep. two and two together. Probably should have. Oh, AskJeeves.net still exists. Yeah, Lycos. <laughs> did you see that one? Lycos. I never used it because I could never remember how to spell it. <laughs> I, I Ask Jeeves looks like it was designed in 1994. Yeah, hasn't changed much. Um, does Lycos still work? Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's Web Wombat. See, is that still a thing? A lot of these still exist, surprisingly. Web Wombat, Australia's original internet search engine. Web Crawler. Oh, it doesn't work anymore. Excite. Excite. That was horrible. (laughs) Excite was GeoCities' default um, search. Search, yeah. I kind of miss GeoCities. They still got OOCities. All of the GeoCities was backed up and then uploaded as OOCities. So all of the sites still there. You can still find my GeoCities at OOCities. 
Yeah, maybe if it works. <laughs> what do we got? Right back in the day, Archie, the first search engine. Due to limited space, only listings were available and not for contents. World Wide Web Virtual Library. Veronica, search file names and titles stored in Gopher index systems. Yeah, Veronica was Jug the copyright, yeah. Jughead, also search file names, titles in Gopher index systems, but only search a single server at a time. World Wide Web Wanderer, primitive web search. InfoSeek. InfoSeek. Elnet <laughs> Galaxy. AliWeb, Yahoo, Webcrawler. Lycos, Look Smart. Oh, yeah. Competed with Yahoo, Excite, AltaVista, AOL board, Webcrawler. Netscape begins using InfoSeek for default. Google Beginnings. Larry and Sergi began working on a search engine Sergi, called Sergei. Backrub. Yeah. A search engine which utilized backlinks for search. It ranked pages using citation notation, meaning any mention of a website on another site would count as a vote towards it, which is why all of your comments filled up with links to other websites so they could get backlinks and then suddenly they had to stop that. Yeah. Inktomi's Hotbot. Hotbot. I used to love Hotbot. Ask Jeeves. Excite buys out web crawler. MSN search. Yeah. Then Google launched. Overture. Formerly goto.com. All the web. Google gets funding. AOL selects Google. Look smart. Teoma engine. Never heard of that one. Nope. Excite had bankruptcy, led to InfoSpace purchasing it for $10 million. Inktomi is exposed for accidentally allowing public access to database of spam sites over 1 million. Then there's a lot of merging, shutting down, switching over. Snap. Overture owner Bill Gross launches Snap Search Engine, which shows search volumes, revenues, and advertisers. Cuel. Uh, CUIL managed and developed by former Google employees at index 127 billion web pages as of February 2009. And Bing Caffeine, a web indexing system released by Google that delivers 50% faster search results. Who's heard of Caffeine? Hands up, nobody. Google Boom. Instant users receive yeah. real-time search results as they type. I always try to type faster than Google Instant can catch up. That's just the default thing now. Schema.org. With the goal of maintaining promoting schemas for more modern structured internet data, Google, Yahoo, Microsoft collaborate to create Schema.org. Panda. Panda, changes yeah. Changes Google's algorithm. Google updated to Penguin. Hummingbird. There's no more new search engines. That's on the history of search engines website. Really it's yeah, it's surprising. Not, there was nothing, and then there was everything. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but Google really, and if you watch the story, it's actually a really interesting story. But basically, Google revolutionised the way searching was done. Um, and they just bought a whole bunch of um, cheap second-hand yeah, hard drives. Yeah. Off eBay and stuff, or whatever was around at that time. Yeah, that, that's what they did. them into computers to, for storage. They come up with this system that allowed them to reformat bad, even hard drives that had bad sectors in them. They learned how to write the software that was smart enough to not write on the bad sectors, and then they they um, 
could monitor those drives and they discovered that a refailure rate was only something like uh, 0.01% or something. And once the hard drive had been scanned, had bad sectors, it would almost never fail again. Ah. And they had this... It was mirroring, but it was done in waves to not stress out the data throughput. They'd mirror or every other drive, but they'd mirror it with the one next to it. So the more drives they added, the longer this mirror cycle went around and around and around. So they were constantly adding data to these drives, but they suddenly went from writing to them every few seconds, and then they had more drives they added. They went to minutes and minutes between writes to these drives. So these drives were constantly being backed up off one another in a big giant loop, but this loop just kept getting bigger the more drives they added. So they always had redundancy. You know, the absolute word, if this drive fails, the next drive behind it's only a couple of seconds behind it and a couple of seconds. So they could lose dozens and dozens and dozens of drives and only lose a couple minutes worth of data. Yep. It's rather, Not too bad. Yeah, it's a really interesting way that they, they came about doing a lot of stuff. It all started as a uni project for searching the school's um, library resources or something originally. Right. From memory. And then, yeah, that sort of Good little project. Out- outgrew that a little bit quicker. <laughs> a little bit quicker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone spelled their name wrong and they had to change the name of the company. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Speaking of Google, a blog post about Fuchsia, a new operate op- open source operating system that's been in the works for several years. Fuchsia is a long-term project to create a general purpose open source operating system. And today they are expanding Fuchsia's operating source model to welcome contributors from the public. Fuchsia is designed to prioritize security, updatability and performance, and is currently under active development by the Fuchsia team. They've been developing Fuchsia in the open in the Git repository for the last four years. You can browse the repository history at fuchsia.googlesource.com to see how Fuchsia has evolved over time. They're laying the foundation from the kernel up to make it easier to create long-lasting, secure products and experiences. Starting today, they're expanding Fuchsia's open source model to make it easier for the public to engage with the project. They created a new public mailing list for project discussions, added a governance model to clarify how strategic decisions are made, and open up the issue tracker for public contributors to see what's being worked on. As an open source effort, they welcome high-quality, well-tested contributions from all. Is now a process to become a member to submit patches or a committer with full right access. In addition, they're publishing a technical roadmap for future to provide better insights for project direction and priorities. Some of the highlights of the roadmap are working on a driver framework for updating the kernel independently of the drivers, improving file systems for performance and expanding the input pipeline for accessibility. Nothing like having your input pipe expanded. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like something fun to join in if you're the techie type who likes uh, developing that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's always random stuff like that. Soon they won't need uh, Windows anyway because Microsoft moves all their services to the cloud, works on all the devices. So if you've got a new open source operating system coming out, give it a go. And I mean, there's plenty of room for that now, like especially as we're talking the other day, you know, with the Internet of Things, but not so much that, but the tools behind that, the tools that are driving that, like you can almost design a a dedicated operating system, I guess almost really what you used to call a firmware now, you effectively can call an operating system. Like in the old days, you'd have a firmware to run a Coke vending machine, you know? You'd have an encoded series of hardware chips that would do their job. 
Now you can do the same thing on an IoT device and basically write your own you write your own operating system to do the, exactly the same thing, but with much more you know, detail, however you want to do it. So it's funny when I was at school, coding wasn't really a thing. Like we learned, we did more hardware and networking and peripherals and the coding side of it, not so much you know there wasn't really much there was a bit so you understood it like we had to make a couple of games in basic and that sort of stuff but it wasn't really focused on or pushed on and by the time I left because I left high school in year 10 and I worked in the real world for a few years and then 10 years later I was for one of my jobs they wanted me to go and do a computer course um, and then suddenly like 90% of this computer course was based on coding and software and them, like all the stuff that we didn't bother about 10 years earlier <laughs> it was you know it's so funny how that shift happened and now they go hand in hand because when you buy a piece of hardware like you buy a raspberry pi yeah. you can put default software on it but to get the most out of the device you then effectively recode the hardware the software to do what you want the hardware to do or even something simple like it's not that uncommon you buy a 3d printer it's very common now for to have to do a firmware upgrade to flash the firmware or to change something to change a parameter which means you need to log into your into your um arduino back end and change files and settings and re-upload it and it's not super easy to do but it's not incredibly difficult and there's enough support material out there to do it and most people who are competent enough to operate the 3d printer are competent enough to change the firmware whereas 10 no years way, ago yeah. you wouldn't touch firmware like it was no. you know, <laughs> very rarely would you even update a bios yeah that's <laughs> you know. why you started buying the uh, motherboards with the spare bios already yeah. in there that you could switch over to if you screw it up that's right you know but now it's it's so oh, yeah just plug the arduino and just recode it unplug it you go use it you know it's fine you know like it's it's funny come full circle back to you know, the 1960s where you got to build your own hardware before you can build your software to build your hardware. You know, like it's <laughs> <laughs> so, um, to the end of the show. Yeah, just quickly, Budweiser. They're uh, putting the kibosh on drunk purchasing. They don't want to be oh, responsible what? for... They don't want to be responsible for people, uh, you know, ordering stuff online while they're drunk. And apparently... <laughs> According to Budweiser, Americans spend forty billion dollars a year on online drunk purchases. <laughs> like they need one of those things, like they had in the Gmail, where you have to answer a mathematical question before you can buy a new dress on Amazon. Well, here's one of the things they've listed as, oh, you stupid pop-up. And someone will write a, a plug-in for your browser that'll do the maths and enter it for you and you don't have to worry anyway. This is what, like, apparently this has been hugely popular the last three months. It's a funny space sloss with pizza shower curtain. Nice. It's 50 bucks. And apparently it's one of the largest selling items at the moment on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people like the Jeff Goldblum one. Oh yeah, gold bloom shower curtain. Yep, and um, and they're like, so yeah, they they, they don't want to be held responsible because yeah, because yeah, uh, that's the only alcohol <laughs> company in the world. This Budweiser. Okay, I'll stop buying your beer. So their new their new um 
the new ads that are showing are saying, yes, you can have Budweiser, but don't forget, don't forget, y'all, we do Budweiser Zero, which is the alcohol-free version, because you're going to love that. It's going to be exactly, you're not going to notice a difference. It'll be completely the same. Just trust us, all right? <laughs> <laughs> He'll be the designated driver only, the, right? The, yeah, the, I'm, I'm drinking a Budweiser. <laughs> Same as everyone, right, right, right. The the irony is they're basing a zero alcohol shopping regime of a product that you would only buy when you're drunk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to buy non-alcoholic alcohol <laughs> when you're sober. You're so you're yep. going to have to be drunk to buy it. So <laughs> uh, pass the test. Yeah, but yeah, I thought it was funny. But uh, yes, I know that that's. I mean, that's all I can do. Just put a... Are you sure? Are you really sure? Are you 100% positive? Put a capture. You can't do those when you're sober, let alone drunk. Yeah. People oh. just stop buying stuff on Amazon altogether if they had to do that. I actually use the... Um, you know why Amazon's got that one-click purchase one click, thing? Yeah. For drunk people who are shopping on Friday night who are really bored and they've got no friends and they hate everybody and they're like, I can make myself happy by buying a new pair of shoes. I thought it was a new parachute. <laughs> <laughs> that too. You can buy that. Just don't pack it when you're drunk. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually honestly one of the reasons I disabled the one-click purchasing. <laughs> <laughs> it's too easy, right? It's too easy. It really... Well, like they have in, the, have in the US, they've got those buttons that you can put on the wall in your laundry so when you run out of detergent, you press the button. Oh, really? That button tells Alexa <laughs> to order... On the zero-day delivery this afternoon, <laughs> new packet of laundry that gets delivered by a truck that afternoon. Oh, no. I didn't know about that. Yeah, they got pre-programmed buttons for all of it. You can say, you go buy a bunch of buttons and you get them set so they prepay for whichever is your favorite detergent or whatever. Press the button on the wall. Bang. You've got to keep it up out of the reach of the kids or you end up with 20 packets of dishwashing liquid. Oh, man. Yeah, I can see how that would end um, <laughs> very badly, very quickly. <laughs> Though apparently... Uh, I think they call it Dash. Dash, yeah. Dash button. Amazon stopped selling physical Dash buttons because of Alexa. <laughs> you don't need it anymore. No, you don't even need to press a button anymore. Alexa, shampoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But you can order Amazon... You can order them with Alexa. <laughs> Everything just hears you anyway, as I was telling you before. Oh, yeah. I really said, does. talking to my daughter about Bailey's Irish Cream, I went to Liquorland, bought some, come home. Now I get ads for Bailey's Irish Cream from Liquorland specifically, even though I didn't mention that was the store I'm going to. Mm-hmm. But it came up suddenly in when web pages I'm going to. I'm like, we just talked about Bailey's. Mm-hmm. We didn't say where we were getting it from or when or anything, but suddenly the ads come in and I didn't Google search for it. This is why I run Adblock. Yeah. <laughs> They're still listening. You need but to run it on your Google and your Alexa and your Siri and your Cortana. They're still listening, but I just can't tell. 
It's just easier. Speaking of listening, <laughs> thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show podcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or much more if you want to give us tons of money. Don't forget to get in the competition. You have to be a subscriber or from several other tiers. See the site for details and coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Make a one-off donation of any size. Email us, Glenn, Will, or Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.